Today, I'm going to talk about something that affects each and every one of us. It's something that changes us from the inside out. It changes our lives forever, and it's completely unavoidable. So what is it? Stay tuned to find out. Hello, everybody. I'm Stephen Diamond from the hit Netflix TV show, Tiger King 2, The Doc Antle Story. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in wherever you get your podcast, whether it's on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you're listening to me from all over the world. I thank you so much for tuning in to What the Tigers Taught Me. And on this podcast, I use the term tiger to describe those things that eat us all alive from the inside out. You know, things like stress and anxiety and depression and obsessive compulsive disorders and all of those kind of hidden prey that lurk within the shadows of our very soul and rear their ugly claws in a moment when you least expect it and least need that to happen in your life. But that's the way it is. And so, on what the Tigers taught us, today we're going to talk about death, dying, and grief. It's something that affects all of us. No matter who you are, no matter where you live, whether you're rich or poor, it's the great equalizer because death doesn't care how much money you have or how much money you don't have. It's going to come one way or another. And recently, it came straight to me. My sister Robin died. In the blink of an eye, one day she was here, and the next day she was gone, and I didn't know how to handle it. I've experienced death throughout my life in many different forms. You know, when I was working with the exotic cats, you would see the entire circle of life happen before you on a regular basis. You would see the infant tiger being born and you would see it grow up and get strong and learn how to defend itself through playing with other cats they would frolic and roll around and even though it was play they were learning life skills that they would need later on to defend themselves to feed themselves and care for themselves and just like that one day a tiger's gone his life is snuffed out by natural causes or disease or a wound from a battle or whatever the case may be, and that cat dies and the circle of life begins all over again. And if you work with exotic animals long enough, you're gonna see this circle of life repeat itself over and over and over again. And it, it almost kind of becomes routine. You begin to see life that way and you begin to realize that death is just a part of the life cycle. But that doesn't make it any easier to accept, especially when it hits so close to home. One night, I'm at home in Las Vegas and the phone rings. I pick it up and it's my sister, Sheila. Now, she lives on the East Coast and I live on the West Coast. And so the only time that I ever hear from Sheila at night is if someone's died. And so sometimes I even pick up the phone when she calls me late at night and I go, hello, who's dead? Stevie, <laughs> my family calls me Stevie, they always have. She says, 
I think you need to come home. And I said, Sheila, what's going on? And she began to tell me that our sister Robin had that very day been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And that wasn't even the worst part. The worst part was that it was stage four and it was incurable. Nothing medically could be done to help her. Not even chemo, not even radiation. She had a tumor the size of a small orange inside of her stomach and there was just nothing medically that could be done. So the inevitable was before us. And the most difficult part of all of this was the fact that my sister Robin has two special needs children. Now I say children, they're both in their 40s today, but I'll always think of my nieces as uh, young people. But one of them has cerebral palsy and is in a wheelchair almost since birth. And the other one is mentally challenged. Though high functioning, she still has challenges. And so our focus shifted instantly from Robin, who we knew was going to pass away, to her two children, because we knew the only thing that Robin would care about were provided for, taken care of, and we're going to be okay. Sheila and I knew that it was going to be our responsibility to figure this out, to grab this bull by the horns and do whatever it was that we needed to do for my sister Robin because she's laying in a hospital and can't do things for herself. And so it's up to us. Well, needless to say, I packed my bags and the next day I was on the first flight headed towards Virginia. And when I got there that afternoon, my sister and her husband picked me up and took me straight to the hospital. It all took place during the pandemic. And so there were all these COVID protocols that were in place at the hospital. And I'll never forget that feeling, the chills that came over my entire body as I walked through that hospital lobby door for the very first time. I knew that in that building, somewhere, my sister was laying in a bed and she was about to die. We walked up to the desk and the nurse told us we would need our masks and that because of the COVID protocols, there was only going to be one person let up at a time. And my sister Sheila looked at me and she said, Stephen, you go. And so I put on my mask and I got in the elevator and I went up to the third floor. I remember walking down the hallway and seeing all of the devices, the medical stands and the tubes and the machines and everything as I walked through the lobby and then got into the elevator and walked down the hallway of that ICU unit. Looking inside of each door, I would see patient after patient after patient that seemingly looked progressively worse as I went down the hallway. And then finally I get to my sister's room and I pause for a second before I open the door. I couldn't help myself. I was terrified. And my heart was pounding so hard that it felt like that it was gonna jump right out of my chest. I could begin to feel my throat seize up. I was struggling to breathe and I felt like I was starting to have a panic attack right there. But I knew I had to be strong for my sister. She's on the other side of this door and she's facing life or death. 
it's up to me to be that support system for her. This wasn't about me. This was about her. And I needed to be strong. So I took a deep breath. And I just let it go. And I relaxed myself. I changed my state. I focused my mind. And I walked into that room with courage. Knowing that what I was about to face was truly going to be one of the most difficult moments of my life. Now, as I'm telling you this story, I'm starting to get a little emotional right now. And I I might even cry a little bit, but that's okay. Because I'm a human being. And I'm not afraid to be vulnerable. And I'm not afraid to show my emotions. This is real life. And our family members are going to die. It's going to happen. You're going to face this at some point in your life, whether you want to or not. I walk into that hospital room. And surprisingly, my sister Robin is sitting up in bed and she's reading a book and she's got a smile on her face. And I went over to the edge of the bed and I hugged her. And I said, hi, sweetheart. How are you feeling? And she just looked at me and she said, I'm in a lot of pain. But I'm going to be okay. And I was struck by the amount of courage that she had. And I was struck by how put together she was and how in control she was. She was present. She was alive. And she was cognizant in that moment. And she got right down to business. She wanted to talk about some family secrets. Now, it wasn't long before the door swung open and her husband, Pete, who is a pediatrician and, and works for one of the largest practices in the state of Virginia. So he's got a tremendous amount of experience in this particular field. And he comes in the door and realizes my other sister isn't there. And he goes, where's Sheila? And I said, well, they wouldn't let her come up. And he walks over and picks up the phone next to Robin's bed and makes a phone call. And the next thing I knew, Sheila was walking in the door. And it wasn't long after that, her two daughters were there, Brandy and Megan, my other two nieces. So there we were, the whole family. So it's really just me, my two sisters, and their four kids. Suddenly we're in this room and Robin looks at us and says, I guess we need to talk. And she tells us, sit down. There's a few things I want to tell you. She begins to tell us that when she was a little girl, she was kidnapped. And it was a family secret. And my mother absolutely forbid her from ever talking about this. She was about six years old. And she was waiting for the bus one day at a bus stop that we could almost see from the house. And there was a florist right behind where the bus stop was. And the guy who owned that florist was a family friend. He knew Robin and he knew my mother and he knew my father. And he kind of kept an eye on her as she would stand right there at that spot every day waiting for the bus with the other little boys and girls that would wait there as well. And one particular day, the florist saw this car roll up in front of Robin. She was the only one there. And it opened up the door. The guy talked to her and Robin got in the car and he took off. And so knowing that this was not right and something didn't feel good about this situation, he picks up the phone and he calls the police and reports it. And then he hangs up and picks up the phone again and calls my mother. 
And he says, did Robin get into a car? And she goes, no, she should be waiting for the bus. And he said, something's wrong. I saw her get into a car and take off. Well, to make a long story short, the police casted a wide net and they eventually caught the guy with Robin in the car. But the point of the story is that my mother, being as mentally ill as she is, forbid my sister from ever talking about this and ever telling the story, and my sister never did. Because back in those days, my mother was more worried about what people at the church would think about her than she was the safety of her own child. Now that may sound strange to you, but suffice it to say that my mother was very mentally ill and she had lots of emotional and mental problems her entire life. And so this was the kind of logic that made sense to my mom. My sister Robin had never uttered a word and it was news to all of us for the very first time. We were shocked. Our jaws were on the floor because you think you know everything about your sister and then suddenly you find out there are things that you just never knew. Things that really happened. You think you know everything until you realize you don't. But the really interesting thing about that conversation was the moment I witnessed my sister shift her mental focus from herself to her girls. Because the only thing that she cared about was what was going to happen to her girls. What was gonna to happen to her was inevitable and there was nothing we could do about it. She had a tumor in her stomach. It was inoperable. Chemo and radiation were pretty much useless. And the doctors had told her there was nothing medically they could do to help her survive. We all cried, going to die. And we all had to accept that fact, whether we liked it or not. This is just the way it was. We all got emotional, but death is real. And it's something that's gonna to happen to all of us. Now on another broadcast, I'm gonna tell you the story of when I died six years ago and had to be resuscitated. But we'll save that for another broadcast. We'll come back to that. I wanna talk about what you can do when grief and death comes knocking at your door. We all struggle with grief from time to time. What is grief? Well, grief summarized is sadness felt after suffering loss. Although that's a pretty good simple definition, it doesn't really give grief the true meaning that it deserves. Because grief is a deep and sometimes very complex response to the loss that you're experiencing. And even though it's often associated with death, grief can be the result of any sort of loss or major life change. Things like losing your job, getting a divorce, or even moving, all of these things can elicit feelings of grief. And you know what? I've experienced all of them in recent months, and I bet so have you. We all lost our jobs during the pandemic. A lot of you, are getting a divorce during the pandemic, and for some of you, the pandemic even caused your divorce. I just recently moved into a new home, and, and I'm sure that many of you have had to move as a result of losing your job and the, the stresses that the pandemic brought into all of our lives. 
And so all of these things can elicit feelings of grief. You know, initially grief frequently comes up as an acute emotional pain. While it may seem insurmountable when it first grasps hold of your life, there are ways to cope with grief. Supplying yourself with knowledge and grieving tactics, or skills as I like to call them, is the best way to combat your loss, no matter where you are in life. Losing someone is difficult, it's painful, and it's very traumatic. Many people experience dramatic changes in their lifestyle, and even sometimes their personality will change as a result of a loss in their lives, simply because losing someone that they love so deeply affects their mental state, their health, and, and even their well-being. When you're already someone who deals with stress and anxiety in your daily lives every single day, this process can be even more deeply felt. As you're already experiencing and dealing with pain and trauma, and you may not have the means to cope with the additional stress of loss itself. Look, the truth is, losing someone hurts really bad. Especially if you don't currently have the skills and the behaviors to cope with the emotional pain and stress that death of a close loved one will absolutely bring. It's horrible. I've just been through it. I just buried my sister. And I'm still struggling with it. And it's been months. And if you are someone who is also dealing with a drug or an alcohol problem in addition to your struggles with stress and anxiety, <laughs> guess what? Dealing with grief and loss in recovery is even more complex. And it can be difficult not to use or drink to cope with what can be even harder than losing someone if you are otherwise healthy. But you can get through it, and you can get through it without relapse. If that's your struggle, I hope that you will go find some real help. But the truth is, we can't heal without learning the right coping skills to manage our response to this difficult situation. And that is the key. The key is learning the skills so that when this difficult situation appears in your life, you're prepared and you know what to do. And that's ultimately why I created LifeSkillsMasterclass.com. People need a place where they can go and learn the skills that no one ever teaches us. And if you are suffering right now, I hope you'll check it out. Because you do not have to continue living the way that you are right now. So today, I want to wrap things up by giving you six of my top tips that I learned as I went through the process of losing my own sister. And the very first thing I want to teach you is to give yourself permission to feel. Grieving is a normal part of dealing with loss, but you can't grieve if you don't allow yourself the opportunity 
be sure to recognize the need to grieve and let it run its natural course throughout you. Your emotional health will be better served if you face your grief head on. Because I promise you one thing, if you don't deal with your issues, your issues will deal with you. And the rub is, it gets to pick when, where, and how. Now, everyone deals with pain and loss in different ways, but it's crucial that you acknowledge what you are feeling and why, and allow yourself to feel it. Let it flow through you. Don't hold it in. You might feel sad and depressed, angry, hurt, confused, or any of a number of other emotions. They might not directly link to how you felt about the person you lost or even why. However, they do link to the fact that you've experienced something so traumatic and you do need time to heal and recover. You're allowed to feel sad or angry or depressed and you should give yourself that time to do it. So let's talk about number two. Number two is so crucially important. Number two is talk about your pain. You know, inside of Life Skills Masterclass, I created a private members-only chat room called the Safe Place Community. Exactly for this purpose. We need each other in our struggles to heal. You don't have to grieve alone. Even if you don't have friends and family to discuss your pain or grief with, most self-help groups, including any 12-step program out there and others that, that I know that uh, you're a part of, will create a space for members to talk about themselves and their lives. And you can discuss your pain and loss with like-minded people who genuinely care and often know what you're going through because they have experienced it themselves. And this is so vitally important. You have to talk about your pain. Number three, understand that grief is not linear. The old Kubler-Ross model of grief suggests that grief happens in stages and most people progress through them in the same way. This isn't what I experienced and it's not even often true. Grief has been proven to occur in different ways and at different times. Grief can come in stages. It can go up and it can go down. And it can feel sad in one moment and it can make you incredibly angry the next. You'll experience grief in your own way and in your own time and some days you'll be fine and some days you won't. When you come to truly understand that there is no right way to grieve, you'll be in a much better position to understand what's happening to you and why. Number four, pace yourself. Grief can be utterly exhausting. I remember my sister Sheila and I coming home from the hospital each night. We would go back to her place where I was staying and we would just plop ourselves down on the first piece of furniture we found because 
the emotional toll it takes on you of being in that hospital room with someone who you're watching slowly slip away. That toll that it takes on you is, it's like a vampire sucking the life force out of your veins. It takes a lot of energy to feel so intensely. So pace yourself. Allow yourself plenty of time to do everyday activities and don't overschedule yourself. Rest when you need to and offer yourself some grace each and every day. Number five, accept your feelings and the facts as they are. Now, this one is going to be really hard for a lot of you because as human beings, we're not very good at accepting facts as they are. We like to accept facts as we want them to be, and that causes a lot of stress in our lives as well. But grief can take and bring on many different feelings and it can rise them to the surface. Some very intense feelings. Acknowledge these feelings and accept them as a part of the natural grieving process. Don't hold in anger, sadness, or even longing. These are important feelings that once expressed allow you to begin the healing process. But you can't begin the healing process unless you're able to express these feelings, open up and allow them to flow through you. That creates space for healing to begin. Trust me on this. I've been there. Now, number six is probably going to be the most difficult for everyone listening. Number six is by far the most important. You know, when someone dies, especially when they die unexpectedly, sometimes things can be left unsaid. So number six is forgive the past and let it go. Forgive anything left unsaid on either side and just let it go. Because healing cannot take place if forgiveness has not already taken place. You must forgive and let it all go. Look, it's history now. It's in the past, and there is nothing that you can ever do to change that fact. Learn to accept facts as they are, not as you wish they were, because that's not reality. That's living in an alternative universe that just isn't going to help you. You know, if you've experienced extreme grief, where you cannot function or cope, and you may be experiencing something called complicated grief, which is a traumatic reaction to loss experienced by about 7% of individuals after a bereavement. So 7% of you, or maybe a little more, that might be an understatement, uh, are gonna suffer such great loss, you might not be able to work. You might not be able to function. You might not be able to get out of bed. These are the people I'm speaking to right now. When you find yourself in that level of grief, you will need counseling and support from a professional system, just like you would for any other form of trauma. But you need the experts. And I'm not a medical doctor and I'm not giving medical advice. But what I am telling you is what happened to me, how I got through it, in hopes that you will 
Find yourself in a little bit of that and learn from the things that I've experienced. And trust me, if you can't get out of bed for weeks and weeks at a time and and your loss is so heavy that it's unbearable, you can't even stand on your feet because the weight is just too difficult to bear, then you need professional counseling. And I urge you to get it. I also hope that in your journey, you'll check out LifeSkillsMasterclass.com. Thousands all over the world have found the skills I teach in this program to be life-changing. And you know what? I know they'll change your life too. I'm Stephen Diamond. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you every single day. I am so grateful that you've taken a little bit of your day and shared with me and allowed me to bring some information to you that I think will impact your life and will help create a positive change and help you to live a less stressful life and find a deeper meaning in your existence. That's what this podcast is all about. You know, as I traveled the world and worked with these big, exotic, dangerous animals, Those tigers taught me a lot. And over the course of this broadcast, I hope to share some of those life lessons that I learned with you. And that's why I called it What the Tigers Taught Me. Hey, thanks for listening, wherever you may be. And I hope you'll listen to me again. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button and join us on this journey. It's going to be a wild ride. I'm Stephen Diamond. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next week.